Hey there, Ruby fans, and welcome to another episode of Ruby Redux here on Rooster Team Radio. Tonight, we are talking about Volume 8, Episode 12, Creation. And I am so, so happy that we are getting ready to talk about this episode because there's a lot to break down. So let's not waste any time. Let me introduce my wonderful co-host. Joining us tonight is the wonderful Katie Cullen. Hi, all my buddies. Joining us is also the lovely Stacey Shuttleworth. Hello, hello. And calling all the way from across the country is the internet's Mark B. Donica. It's me. I'm I'm the zeros and ones in your computer screen. <laughs> but I wanted to be the ones. Okay. Well, we'll talk about it. It's, it, it's, now, it's now all tied up in like legalities and things. Damn it. I'm sure you guys will be able to sort all that out. Uh, but in the meantime... I hope you all will step into our humble abode as we talk about this episode. Did you introduce yourself? Oh, no, I didn't. Hi, I'm also Megan Salinas. <laughs> all right, let's get inside this house and talk about this show. I'm a stranger. <laughs> step into my house. I'm a faceless narrator. Just going about talking about your lives unbeknownst to all of you. Okay, but is the house on chicken legs? Like, how far are we going into Baba Yaga territory here? Oh goodness. Uh that I think that I think that pretty much sets the tone for how the rest of this is going to go. <laughs> All right guys, let's talk about this episode. So, this episode, Creation, written by the wonderful Eddie Rivas. Yay! This is a good one. Uh we, this episode had a lot to do in a short amount of time and I think it did a really excellent job basically jam-packing all this stuff into one episode. Uh, what are our general thoughts regarding all the stuff that went down? Let's start with Mark. Yo, so we've talked before about, oh, this this whole thing feels like Endgame. Uh, well, it can't be because we've got to do this, and we've got to do this, and we've got to do this. And here we are. This has been done. <laughs> like, we are, we have cut through a lot of what I thought would be uh, like, oh, well, we're going to take like half a season to get to vacuo. We're going to take half a season of dealing with the political. No, we're doing this now. And it it's just, it's remarkable. You know, I, last week I, I sort of mused, I don't think we're ready for what's coming. I wasn't, you know, like I wasn't <laughs> supposing any sort of like actual, like, even just looking at the possibilities and the um like any anything that could have happened didn't everything else did instead and that's wild to me yes uh there's oh, a lot is happening a lot that we've been waiting for like kind of came together in this episode yeah there's who there's a lot stacy how about you well, and we got so much, so many of the things, again, like Mark said, that we thought would be spread out over some more time. So now we're just kind of left sitting here and be like, okay, we've had all of that happen. So what the hell's going to happen next? <laughs> what are we in for? <laughs> we had so many huge, momentous things happen. And so... Now it's like, oh, well, well, here's all the things I kind of expected to happen over the next, like, I don't know, dozen episodes. You know, we're already there. I'll give it to them all in one episode as a right, treat. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we deserve this, right? 
<laughs> but do we deserve what comes after? Depends on what definition of deserve this you're going with. If we're talking about Ambrosius, do we deserve that ass? <laughs> no one does. No one does. We must all aspire to, though. <laughs> I need to remember, PG podcast, PG podcast, PG podcast. Is it? It's not. I PG-13, say the fuck PG-13, word too PG-13, many PG-13. times. I s- Mark, I say the fuck word way too many times for that. Yes, you do. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't keep a straight face. (laughs) On that note, (laughs) Katie, what did you think of this episode? Fuck! (laughs) You set it up. I had to knock it down. Um, This is incredible. First of all, I want to say the whole thing with... (laughs) I almost said Mercury, goddammit. I was taking notes and wrote down Mercury. I keep writing down Mercury. (laughs) I don't know why it keeps happening. Megan did this to us. <laughs> anyway, I would like to say the thing with Emerald. Uh, pick up the phone at least a little bit because I called at least part of this and I'm very proud of me. But Eddie is really, really good with his solo episodes of balancing so many things and making it all feel natural. It all flows together extremely well. We set up all of these dominoes and now we're knocking them down. We have things we expected to see. And we have things that we never in a million years thought we would see. Uh, Zombie robot Penny will haunt me in my nightmares, which is amazing and also horrifying. But this whole episode was just so incredibly well put together that while I have ideas on how they might follow it up, I'm mostly just kind of sitting here going, holy shit, you guys. Uh, uh, Yeah, just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, especially when it comes to a lot of these long-running things where we know, just based on story structure, that we were going to have to hit these points at at some, at some point in time in the story, we were going to have to hit these beats. I was not expecting all of these particular beats to hit at the exact same time in the exact same episode. So yeah, it's, it's. It's both exciting to see, you know, stuff come together from a narrative standpoint, but it's also slightly like, oh, uh, what's uh, what's going to happen next? Like all this stuff that we've been predicting that it's done now. Where where do we go from here? <laughs> uh, but I guess we'll talk about that in uh, our predictions. So, yes, this episode is. Oh, OK, OK, focus up. Focus. <laughs> no, please go on. <laughs> okay, let's let's start with um, you know, uh, let's start at the very beginning because as, as I've heard in other places, it, it is a very good place to start. So, uh, Ren and Nora and every the gang they're heading. Like we get a quick shot of them in a carrier, and what what we cut to is then Ironwood and the Aesops and Winter waiting for Penny to arrive. And what ultimately happens uh, is they end up splitting up when Crow and Robin start making trouble in the hangar where the payload is at. And so we split these two teams up. The Aesops go to handle. Uh, to handle Crow and Robin, and Winter stays to help General Ironwood. And what transpires is 
maybe the most satisfying thing we've seen all season. <laughs> it kind of depends on who you ask. But what we get is Penny seemingly flying and turning herself in. And of course, this turns out to be a trick. And what transpires is a simultaneous fight between the Aesops, Crow and Robin and Marrow, and all the kids, <laughs> Ren, <laughs> Nora, uh, Oscar, Jean, and Mercury versus Ironwood. Emerald. Oh, oh my God! Did I say Mercury? <laughs> Damn it! Emerald <laughs> and Winter. <laughs> I just want to make sure that everybody realizes that we have a uh, counter in the in the house that has now just gone back to zero, which is days since Megan has mixed up Emerald and Mercury. Wait, I didn't set it off earlier. Is it specifically a Megan counter? <laughs> I'm safe. <laughs> all right, should we adjust the counter so that it's all of us or or just me? Is it just well, me? Then we'll never you see a tick it. up to the first day. Each of us has a <laughs> counter is what I'm saying. Uh, okay. Megan's is the one that went to zero. What's everyone else's, Mark? Well, yours is at zero for earlier today, but mine's at zero. <laughs> for Also for earlier today. I think Stacy's got the best record of all of us. So far, I'm safe. Oof. For now. <laughs> Just wait. For whatever it is that you do. <laughs> all right, Stacy. if you can make it through this entire episode without your counter going to zero, uh, you're going to get a treat from Baskin-Robbins. I will buy you ice cream. Oh, <laughs> lucky. This is immediately how I sabotage everything within the first 30 seconds. <laughs> hey, we're past pressure. the first 30 seconds. You are safe. Kind of. Do you know what your counter is? Because I don't. <laughs> She's ahead of all of us, and that's what matters. Okay. There you go. So, like I said, <laughs> a fight erupts, and uh, it's, it's like I said, it's one of the most satisfying things I think I've seen all volume. What did we think of this fight? Let's start with Stacy. No pressure. So, first of all, Emerald kick-flipping people needs to happen regularly all the time. That was the coolest thing. Yes. Boot uh, head. Almost ever. Just beautiful. And so stylishly pulled off. Um, and then secondly, where's the fan cam of just everyone punching Ironwood? Because that is also <laughs> something that I highly appreciate. And I'm going to look for it right now. Watch. Thank you. I'm, I'm sure it's out there and I need it because I feel like everyone got to take out their, their frustrations on a good old Ironwood here. It was very satisfying. Uh, and so well like scripted out and framed to see the pieces falling into place and watching things happen and then backtracking to, to go back and see them formulate. I really enjoy when, when scenes are set up that way. It makes it even more satisfying. Yeah, it's a really good way to kick off the action. Katie, how about you? Boot to the head. <laughs> this... This gave me so much life. I think Stacy's right in that we need the fan cam, and I certainly hope that Mark can find it. And if he doesn't find it, someone needs to link it to us on Twitter or in the Discord or make one if it doesn't exist for some unknown reason. Because this was just really, really satisfying. 
And I know there's something to be said for Ironwood as a combatant, but there's also something to be said for Ironwood as a combatant when he hasn't been awake for like 72 hours straight and already come out of another fight and on his last legs and recently had his arm replaced and just, you know, hashtag just Ironwood things <laughs> and isn't getting ganged up on by six people, one of whom is his trusted lieutenant, which the reveal that Winter is working against him at that point, just mid-combat, is beautiful. And the full-on anime moment of her finishing him is also beautiful. This entire fight was so well put together and so much fun to watch. Like, it was fluid and it was satisfying. I loved it. I don't think there's much to talk about with our other fight because it ended in half a second because Marrow is a little broken. But that's okay. He's allowed to be OP every once in a while as a treat. <laughs> uh, it's It's so nice to see a plan come together and... <laughs> That's basically what this episode was. Mark, how about you? What did you think? So I didn't find a fan cam, but I did find a recut of the the um, the flip kick like a Persona 5 finisher. So I just put that in, <laughs> in our Discord. So take a look at that and enjoy that. But it, this was, this should have been, th this is, in, in retrospect, this is a hint that everything is going to go well, at least for this episode. And, and it, it, did the opposite for me. Like this went so well that I was like, okay, something bad's going to happen and was pleasantly surprised when it didn't. But Katie <laughs> nailed it on the head. The most anime moment in the show, like the entire show, not the episode, not the volume, the entire show so far goes to winter. Cause this was pure, like uh, uh Kenshiro, like name, name any like ultimate attack. And this was it. Like, she pulled out all of the stops to make sure that James went down. Yeah, I have to agree. That was definitely my favorite moment of the fight. Um, that My two favorite moments of the fight were, one, when she gave Nora that particular power boost. That was absolutely phenomenal. And then... Um, and then, yeah, when when she did the full anime, I slice with my sword as the my opponent turns into a silhouette and uh, and then they fall over defeated. It was absolutely fantastic. And um, everybody involved in putting this fight scene together should be applauded. Um, but yeah, that uh, this it, it's not only is it satisfying just in terms of cool choreography and it's always great to see um, when a team works really well together and to see them play off of each other in that regard. Um, it's also really satisfying because we've been waiting for these particular character turns for a while now. Uh, we've both been waiting on Winter and Marrow to basically defect from Ironwood and switch sides. And that we we got to that breaking point at the end of the last episode, but to actually see it happen is for me was a huge highlight in this episode. Um, and we get some other uh, little tidbits from Winter in this episode too. What with 
calling her sister, you know, do trying to do, deciding that she should do the one thing that she's been putting off for a while now. And she also has a one-on-one with Jacques a little later on. Um, I feel like we can go ahead and just kind of tackle this now because there's not really much to it. But she ultimately tells her dad, no, we're not going to leave you here. But, you know, don't thank me for that. Thank Weiss. And I just, I really appreciated all of this character development and it's it's all stuff that's not like we don't dwell on it we don't linger on it but it's there and it feels really substantial and i'm absolutely here for it uh what did we think of these character turns for marrow and winter and getting to see them shine uh whose turn is it (laughs) doesn't matter pick one mark i think it's your turn to go first So I don't necessarily think that Marrow had a character turn. Like this is this is who he's always been, but he's had a false sense of duty. You know, like it's I I don't I don't think this was this was something that we were sort of expecting from the jump. So this didn't seem super out of character for him. And Winter essentially like making sure that she was a part of every attack. Seemed seemed like I just want to hit him again. I just want to hit him again. No matter no matter how hard I hit him, I will like I would like to hit him again. That'd be great. Um, but I'm also happy that we got the the scene with her and Jacques. Um, F's in the chat for Jacques' pride or any sort of any positive emotion because the the boy has been slain. Uh, it's this was it was a great scene great turnabout is fair play and and i would love if there's any sort of dormammu-esque uh time loop sort of a thing this would be a favorite one of mine to to view over and over and over again i have to concur with that katie how about you I really appreciate the heavy implication that Winter would 100% have left Jacques there to fall and that it was Weiss's decision to go, we should maybe not let Dad get horribly crushed in a massive impact. We should, uh, that seems cruel. I appreciate the implication that Weiss was just, that Weiss, I'm sorry, that Winter was ready to just to hang him out to dry. I love this. And again, you take a step back and you look at these siblings and go, oh yeah, they grew up in an abusive household and went to the military and boarding school, respectively, to get away from it. And here's the guy who's responsible for it all. You you are not required to forgive your abuser in any capacity. That is a personal choice. But I like that the implication is that we had two very different approaches to this. Uh, yeah, and I agree with Mark that Marrow, Marrow is Marrow. Like, we have been waiting for this to happen, and it's not really a surprise when it came down the line. Stacy, how about you? I also like the implication that, um, not only did Winter decide that her father could just be left in prison, but Willow and Whitley also were just like, nope, hands up, I'm stepping back. <laughs> not going to say anything. Weiss, Weiss now is the only one coming to, you know, her father's defense, for better or for worse here. Uh, well, and I'd argue that it's not even to his defense. It's more just, we should probably not let him die in a horrific manner. Right, right. <laughs> More than the others were willing to afford him. Legit. 
I mean, in this, in a very short period of time, Winter effectively gets to take out one of her father figures with her fists and another with her words. And as satisfying for us to see that, like also how devastating for Winter to be processing all of this and be, and be forced face to face with it in such close proximity there. So, uh, Winter needs lots of support too. <laughs> uh, yeah, you bring up a really good point uh, because like right before uh, the, the fight starts, she, you know, they dismiss the Aesops and she she asks him, like, sir, this course of action. And he turns to her and he's like, I hope you're not attempting to talk me out of it. And she takes a beat to stop and look at him. And she goes, no, I don't think that's possible. And watching the episode a second time, you can be like, you can be like, oh, that was the moment where she was like, that was your last chance, Jen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was it, absolutely your last chance. It really felt like that was her saying goodbye. Yeah. Or at least like, well, <laughs> you you leave me no choice. <laughs> <laughs> I tried and therefore no one can criticize me. Uh, and speaking of, uh, James gets knocked out. And I will be the first to admit that I am not as certain how passive semblances work. He gets knocked out. His aura breaks. When and this is a this is a question that if anybody out there happens to know the answer, cite your sources. But feel free to tweet it at us. Um, does someone's semblance stay active if it's a passive semblance and their aura breaks? Like, does crows? semblance stay active if his aura breaks i would assume the answer is no but i base that off of nothing (laughs) my argument is yes because crow can't have nice things and because i think crow would be breaking his semblance his uh, aura consistently if it would turn his semblance off but my my the whole reason why i pose that question is because ironwood after this awesome attack from winter Ironwood's aura breaks and he gets knocked out. My question is, now that he's been incapacitated, what is Ironwood's future? Like, because his his single-mindedness is aided by his semblance, um, is he going to wake up and go, what have I done? Oh, no. Or is he going to wake up and go, what have you done? <laughs> uh, thoughts to the table. Let's start with Katie. Honestly, it could go either way. And that's part of what I've loved about the writing of Ironwood for this season. And I think we talked about this last episode about how Kruby is really, really good. And specifically the writing team is really, really good at taking these characters and understanding not only the essence of the character, but the arc of their character development and how present events would affect them. So they understand the macrocosm and the microcosm and how it brings everyone to the point where they're at. And they are so, so good at showing that and executing that. And they do it so well with Ironwood that honestly, it could go either way. And I would believe it either way. 
because we've seen enough of the core of the character of being someone who is loyal and cares about his duties and very much does want to save his people, even though he has very strict ideas of who exactly his people are, as it turns out. But we also see that he does break bad under pressure and that he doesn't always make the best decisions and that he's very bullheaded and very stubborn. And both of those parts are equally valid and both of those parts have very much been at play for the past couple seasons. So either which way, it will still be in character for Ironwood. It will still be valid regardless of whether he wakes up and goes, oh, I've screwed up everything or whether he wakes up and goes, you betrayed me, how could you? Both of these would be valid ways to go and both of them feel equally likely and just Chef Kiss Kruby, super ridiculously good at this, and this is hard to do. I I think that's a pretty good assessment. Stacy, how about you? I mean, wholeheartedly agree. For the amount of people that James Ironwood has pulled a gun on, knowing <laughs> that I could believe him actually being, rem- like, coming out of this and feeling remorseful is a true testament to the writing and the way that this character has been handled and shaped. That being said, let's see. Do I think? (laughs) I don't know. Because I really don't know. (laughs) I I feel like the most compelling argument for Ironwood waking up and being like, oh, wow, I have gone too far and made a terrible mistake comes down to who he considers his people and how his people have reacted to him, specifically in this case, Winter. How she has turned on him, something that he probably had never considered she would do before. So that might be the most plausible tipping point for me. Uh, however, again, it it could go either way because I think that he has the capability to still, you know, strive for good despite having gone single-mindedly down a very dark path uh i don't even know if it's worth it for me to guess with his character (laughs) Oof. (laughs) how about you mark what do you think i think we're all forgetting a former friend and confidant who lives in that darkness who who succumbed to alcohol who lived in the darkest of spaces and has been having a resurgence without it and having a peace of mind that he hasn't had previously. And I think we're going to get a scene between Crow and James where Crow doesn't choose violence against his better judgment. Um, This is a place where Crow can be like, I, you know, while I didn't, commit to uh attempting genocide i can imagine i can understand where you're coming from your mind is going to these dark places and and you think that everyone is against you and blah 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 blah. i think that there is an opportunity for crow to come through and talk james through it if james is currently like if he has been reset and one of my favorite things about our discord is just the sheer amount of discourse so much so that as people 
are start to watch the episode the discord restarts because they go oh what if this happened and then the people who were just talking about it for half an hour like oh i didn't think about it like that and then it just continues and it cycles and it cycles but i don't know if if that came up you know we're thinking about like i don't think i think crow will be the middle the i don't want to say the middle ground but i think crow will be the, will start lifting people up instead of pushing himself down and from there i think james might start to possibly try um but bringing up the uh <laughs> i heard my wife giggle in the other room um <laughs> um but um to that end you know something that we're going to talk about later in the episode is they're going to vacuo and if there is a kingdom that is going to not hold James to the highest esteem. It's going <laughs> to be vacuo. So if, if James survives this, he is going to be right back in the thick of it. My kingdom. And I mean, all the kingdoms of Atlas, <laughs> Atlas, uh, all the kingdoms of Renet, my kingdom to see Theo punch Ironwood in the face. I think that's a guarantee. Because yes. he so, so deserves it. <laughs> ah, don't get me wrong. I love Ironwood as a character. I, I'm not one of those people that like apologizes and goes, just because I like a character, that means they can do no wrong. He's done so much wrong. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm right there with you guys. It could go either way. Um, but yeah, I would like, I would very much like it if like we could have, you know, this moment between him and Crow, I, I think that's, I think that would be really heartfelt and very moving. I don't think Ironwood is going to make it out of this series alive. Um, if he does, I will be very surprised, but I, I would like him to attempt to work towards some redemption. Um, but it would, it would also not surprise me if upon waking up, he just goes, you betrayed me. Oz betrayed me. Everybody betrayed me. And he I'm just fed has up to be, with this world. <laughs> he just has to be put away for the rest of the series. Just like, okay, James, you stay, you stay in that corner over there. <laughs> I love that you phrased it as put away. Just put away. Go sit in time out, James, for the rest of your life. I think we call that jail. <laughs> do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Just just go over there. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> um, but on the complete flip side, uh, we have, uh, and, and we got mo most of this uh, in the previous episode, actually, but I almost did it again. Wow. <laughs> uh, Emerald committing to doing the right thing and we have this brief little moment where she's like yeah this feels weird um but this is the first like she she lent a hand in the previous episode and she you know obviously helped oscar escape and everything like that but this is the first time she's really gone out of her way to help our heroes um my my question you know given that we have this shot of cinder at the end of the episode my question is is Emerald here to stay? Um, is she here to stay a part of the team? Or 
uh, is she going to turn on everybody at some point? Because um, just based on uh, her actions in this episode and her attitude in this episode, I would think that sticking around to do the right thing actually feels pretty good. Um, so my vote is yes, but what do we think? Uh, let's start with Katie. I would imagine it's going to depend a lot on what Cinder's next move is, or rather on what Emerald thinks Cinder's next move is, or what the next thing Emerald sees Cinder do. That's what I'm getting at, that. Because I think Emerald might try to convince Cinder to switch sides along with her. Like, come to the light side, things are actually better here, people care about you, which is wild. Like, just, just, just come over here. Let's not do the apocalypse. Whether or not she decides to stay with Cinder if Cinder does not want to switch is going to depend entirely on how Cinder interacts with her and how Cinder treats her. The way that Cinder is as a person and the decisions that she has been making, odds, I think, are very good that Emerald is going to stay with our team instead of going back with her, just from what we've seen from her. Stacy, how about you? What do you think Mercury's gonna do? Uh, uh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I shouldn't well, try to lead you astray. already in vacuo um, on a <laughs> nice, fun, nice, fun, nice. fun, fun, fun field trip with uh, <laughs> Uncle Tyrion. <laughs> well played, Stacy. Your counter is negative one, Megan. <laughs> <laughs> if I keep doing it, I'm gonna have to buy everyone ice cream. <laughs> yes, Yay. yes, I would ice like cream. ice cream. Ice cream. <laughs> Man, despite the history that Emerald and Cinder definitely have, and the emotions that are deep rooted in Emerald based on on that relationship, there's something powerful about having a group of people not only listen to what you have to say, but then welcome you into the fold. And they were a bit standoffish at first, but we've really seen that group kind of embrace her warily, but give her that opening and that base understanding of what it's like to be accepted and have a place, a place at the table instead of a place next to the table, which is typically where Cinder would you know, keep everyone at arm's length. And so I think that's a powerful contrast that, yeah, being very dependent on Cinder and being, you know, part of her life for so long is harder to shake than not. But I don't know that I see Emerald backtracking now. I think she kind of leaned into this decision so I'd be a little more surprised if it was just, oh, nope, I'm going back with Cinder. Bye. <laughs> um, <there, laughs> it will be interesting to see, though, if she does try to convince Cinder to join up with them or if she understands that Cinder is in a very different place. And that's not a very likely scenario for Cinder. Yeah, I think that's fair. Mark, any other thoughts? Okay, so I don't know if I'm the I'm ridiculously late to the party, but the fact that Emerald can be a reference to the Emerald City and she fits into the Wizard of Oz meta, 
and like that how how does that not be a thing of like well yes of course she's staying on the good side (laughs) you know like um i have to i have to give it to one of the newest members of our discord rabe who posted an interaction where somebody posited that because of oscar's kindness emerald becomes her uh his uh glinda in the sense of we are we are partners in this moving forward i trust what you have to do and and i will be there to help the world be a better place see i've just seen the ship name as emerald city so <laughs> that's i like disgusting. that a lot more there's a ship name for everything my dear you know that no i know and you also know how i stand on the oscar being so young and everybody else not being so young he is babby yeah i i certainly don't ship it either but oh mark i really really like that i really like that Um, i I wish it was my idea but me put me posit like seeing the picture and then seeing emerald and then putting everything together that oh she fits with the meta like that that was my thing that yeah phenomenal phenomenal extremely long gameplay on Kruby's part. <laughs> uh, long way to go, but we got there. Kind of like going to the Emerald City. It's a long, it's a long walk, but you get there and it's fantastic. <laughs> um, <laughs> when was the last time you saw Wizard of Oz? The Emerald City's built on lies. <laughs> Did you miss this? I... I think the last time I watched The Wizard of Oz, I was a freshman in college. So it's been a minute. I've seen Wicked more recently than I've seen The Wizard of Oz. And I think the last time I saw Wicked, I was a sophomore in college. So it's been a minute. The Emerald City continues to be built on lies. And the wizard goes through multiple forms pretending he's not who he is. Deep meta. Well, I was going to say, if you think about it, in a way, isn't Emerald's ability based on lies? Like, making people see things that aren't necessarily the way they are? Yes. (laughs) Yes. She just wants to be in the hoi polloi. She'll be back for good someday. (laughs) (sighs) Oh, it's going to be stuck in my head for weeks. You've done this to all of us. Yeah, I'm I'm only kind of sorry. Well, I'm going to have dancing through life stuck in my head instead. So I hope you're all proud of yourselves. (laughs) Um, But okay, my my final question um, before we move on over to phase two uh, regarding this episode is, you know, again, they weren't here for very often uh, in this episode. Um, And I feel like we go back and forth every week (laughs) in terms of what we predict this group of characters is going to do but we get a little bit of the Aesop's in this episode and you know from the time that we spend with them Harriet still seems stuck in her ways and uh both Elm and Vine seem like they're just like this isn't this isn't great this isn't what we thought it was gonna be uh we're we're feeling a little disillusioned Now that they have also been incapacitated, although not to the degree (laughs) that James has been incapacitated, but now that they've been incapacitated, one, and two, now that 
we'll get into the details of it as we talk about phase two. But now that a solution to the problem has also been um, presented to everybody, what's the next move for the Aesops? Like, do they continue to be loyal to the the man who was going to blow up a city or do they sort of defer to 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 what the kids are posing as the solution to the problem or are we not even going to worry about them for the rest of the volume because marrow can just tell them to sit tight what do we think uh is next for the aesops mark let's start with you I think the only person that's going to cause any sort of a ripple is going to be Harriet. Other than that, I think after what just happened, Elm and Vine are going to be like, no, nah, we got to we gotta help people. Considering that, hmm, I wonder if now with everything that's going on, I, I had a wonder of what Robin, Crow, and Meryl were going to do. I think Harriet might jump in the cruiser with the bomb and try to deliver the payload herself. Whoa. That like that just that just like red string wall of terrible. Hi, welcome to the conspiracy corner. Like <laughs> I I I promise that I'm not, that I'm not like all this this stoop and gloom so much, but like I feel that like her resolve has gone so far in the opposite direction that I feel like because she's been so aggressively subordinate i guess is like to to the the whims of of ironwood i think she might be in a position where she feels like she has to get the job done now and marrow will have to choose between either letting her go maybe running in after her or something but i feel like harriet might do something drastic i think that's fair katie what do you think Mark, you're taking my shtick. I'm oh, usually please. the one who predicts awful things. I've I've been doing this for years too. We switch off. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah, I think you're right on the money though, and that if anyone is going to act out, if anyone is going to cause issues, it's going to be Harriet. Because we got to see God bless Vine, Zenyatta is no longer experiencing tranquility over here. We got to see him rethinking all of his life's choices that led up to here. And we saw last episode Elm rethinking it as well. So Harriet is the only one who is continuing to be a rage beast. And we'll see how that goes. But I'm with you in that not well is probably how that's going to go. Stacy, how about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think... Harriet is angry and maybe she doesn't have Ironwood, you know, okaying all of these very questionable decisions, but I do think that she will act on the same trajectory that their previous plan was on. So whether it manifests in her trying to, you know, deliver the payload herself or do something else equally drastic, uh, I think it's completely plausible and I think she's going to be very eager to get underway with it. I would kind of like to see a circle back around to some of the themes with the Aesops. We were we kind of haven't touched since last volume in that parrying their relationship of no, we're just co-workers to a more close-knit group and seeing how Elm and Vine react 
to Harriet kind of going off the deep end, acting out in anger, and seeing if we have a team come out of this or if there's any semblance of, of working together and moving past this or if we're just going to have all out chaos. I like that. I, I really like the the idea of, yeah, Harriet being the one to act out and having Elm and Vine be the ones to talk to her, not as co-workers, but as friends. To be like, hey, we're hurting too. Like, we're here for you. Um, alternatively, if Harriet isn't planning on listening to anyone, whether it's her her teammates or to, to Robin or, or to Crow or anybody who might try to stop her, my hope is that someone would just point to her in the direction that Tyrion went and say, he went that away. <laughs> and she could just go after him. She could probably catch up. <laughs> she's very fast. <laughs> I'm fairly certain she's as fast, if not faster, than those um, airships that they fly around. So maybe somebody can just point that anger in the right direction and the problem will resolve itself. <laughs> we'll see. Um, okay. I think that just about does it. Uh, do we have any final thoughts on uh, the Ironwood Aesop's side of things before we move on into phase two? That's so dastardly the way that you put it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I don't normally refer to like, like, I don't use phase two in my normal vernacular. And normally when I hear it on TV, it's usually a supervillain going, yes, all according to cake. Exactly. So That's what we're saying. <laughs> all right. Well, if we don't have any final thoughts, then uh, before we move on over to phase two, I want to talk to you guys really quickly about iTunes. Folks, thank you so much to everybody who's gone to iTunes to rate, subscribe, leave a comment. We love hearing from you, and it helps our podcast tremendously in terms of becoming more searchable for people looking for Rooster Teeth-related content. We don't have any new reviews this week, but we do encourage you to go ahead and leave a review, and we will give you a shout-out on the show. But that's not the only way to engage with us. You can also uh, follow us on Twitter at The Rooster Team. Uh, and uh, we have a lot of really fun interactions with people on Twitter. And we want to give some shout outs uh, this week. First of all, uh, Achoo I Sneezed on Twitter, uh, Shadow Angel, T and Vines, Carso26, Gigawatt Conduit, Malachroma, Cam Griffin, Danny Costa, The TNT Writer, Game Boy Nate 17, The Buster Bill, Aw, Drummer Girl 456, Jade, you're so wonderful, Chris Half the Battle, Jester's Chessboard, Princess Ponies, uh, oh, uh, <laughs> that's right, the TNT writer actually said that our discourse... Our Discord is a pretty sweet place to be, which if you guys are interested in joining that, there's a link in the description below. Uh, and I hope I'm pronouncing this right. Pro Digipunk, the Kaito Dan, and Nick Brennan. Uh, all we had a lot of fun interactions with those guys on Twitter this week. Uh, we want to give some special shout-outs to Pink Sunshine Cos, who had this amazing punk Nora cosplay. Not only that, but she was also wearing a mask from RT Public Store, specifically the Break His Legs uh 
uh sorry specifically yeah sorry 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 sorry. (laughs) specifically the break his legs designed designed by the wonderful princess ponies as we mentioned earlier um and honestly those those pictures were like the highlight of my day so thank you so so much uh, we have another one from Aaron Chaotic Good, aka T Bone underscore Duke, uh, who wrote, "Yo, I cannot wait for what the Rooster Team are gonna have to say about today's Ruby episode. Y'all are gonna have a field day." <laughs> and finally, we have one from Chris Sarasaurus, who <laughs> quoted me and Katie from the last episode: "Stop screaming, no." Me. Yeah, that pretty much sums up the Ruby Volume 8 experience going into the last three chapters. Keep up the great root. Keep up the great work, the Rooster Team. Y'all continue to be the highlight of my week. Thank you so much, Chrisarasaurus. Thank you so much to everybody who uh, interacted with us on Twitter this week. And Stacy, I believe uh, some people had some interactions with you this week as well. Uh, yes, thanks to the rest of the team who put up uh, birthday wishes for me just the other day. Uh, and so many wonderful members of our community who, you know, reached out and wished me a happy birthday and sent me such sweet wishes. Uh, love being part of this community. You guys are always so welcoming and sweet. So thank you all for the birthday wishes. And yeah, they were wonderful to read and they made me smile all night. <laughs> Yeah, they're so, so sweet. So we can't thank you guys enough for all that you do. Um, again, if you're interested in joining our Discord, link in the description below. We have a tea Public. You can support us there. And we have a sponsor for this week. As always, this show is sponsored by Fred He Bakes. He does cookies. And guys, I don't know about you, but I could really, really use some cookies right now. And thus, we turn to Fred. He does brown sugar buddies, which are kind of like a spice cookie and a ginger snap and a molasses cookie. They're chewy, they're soft, they're wonderful. If you are missing those fall flavors like I am, because I don't care if it's March, I'm still missing those fall flavors. Uh, You can get the maple brown sugar buddy, which is like a brown sugar buddy, but with maple for those continued fall flavors. If you are a chocolate person, do the big chip buddy. They are huge. They are soft. They are fluffy. They are chock full of chocolate chips. A++ do recommend. And if you're like me and you want to try a little bit of everything, then he does sampler boxes where you can pick and choose what you want so you can try a little bit and then order your favorites, which if you're like me, are everything. Everything is made fresh, never frozen, made to order in small batches, and you cannot find any of this in stores. You can only find it at fredhebakes.com. That's three words, fredhebakes.com. And use coupon code the Rooster Team for 20% off your entire order. That's fredhebakes.com and coupon code the Rooster Team. Treat yourself, you deserve it. Thank you all so, so much again for all of the various ways that you support our podcast. You all are the best. Let's get back to it now. Initiate phase two. <laughs> oh, God, it's happening. <laughs> If I'm not allowed to scream, you're not allowed to laugh. (laughs) Okay. Initiate phase two. To the vault! So, (laughs) while while half the team is off taking care of Ironwood and the Aesops, the other half of the team is devoted to getting Penny to the vault, which they successfully do. I believe, Mark, was it you last week that predicted that because Oscar um, (laughs) blasted his way out uh, of the vault last time that that's how they were going to make their way in? I don't don't remember. 
I don't think I said that. I just I just was like there is there is a thought of of uh like we may interact with the staff this week. Just be ready for whatever comes with that. But I wasn't like super specific. I believe it was me bringing up the fact that someone had commented that on our YouTube channel, ah. talking about, boy, I'd love to see them use the back exit that they created last season. That's what it was. So I can't take credit for that either. Well, regardless, it came in handy because <laughs> that's how everybody chose to get go through. So we get to the vault. Penny opens up the vault and using Ruby's super speed, they're able to grab the staff so that time freezes just like it does with Jin and they're able um, and so they're able to stop time and the spirit emerges from the staff and who we are met with is Mr. Ambrosius, uh, the spirit of creation and Wow, does he make a first impression. Uh, what did we think upon meeting Ambrosius? Let's start with Stacy. I didn't know I could hate and love someone so much at the same time immediately. <laughs> I knew, right? <laughs> He's incredible. <laughs> and would probably drive anyone just absolutely bonkers within like 20 minutes. <laughs> what a character. Oz really downplayed that one. <laughs> Oz did not want to spoil the surprise. He's like, they're going to come back and they're going to tell me about it. And my only regret is that I will not see the looks on their faces when they meet him. And I need to know what the look on Oz's face was the first time he met Ambrosius. God, yes. Sam. Please. <laughs> I'm I'm wondering when they were picking the teams and everything like that. Um, if Ruby turned to Oscar and went, "So, what, you know, do you want to come with us to the vault?" and Ozpin had to chime in to be like, "No, no, 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 no. We are not doing that. <laughs> You're not allowed to go there. <laughs> Just give them what they need, and we will be as far away from that as we can possibly be, given the circumstances." There's a reason we tied him to the underside of a floating city and just kind of left him there to make sure it would still float. It was so anytime we thought, hey, maybe I can put up with Ambrosius. We also put the lives of everyone in the city on the line <laughs> to remind us just how bad an idea that is. Is, is that why they designed it the way that they did? So that like... There would be a, a great deal of incentive not to take the staff. Well, I mean, I'm sure they also designed it that way because they didn't have enough dust to actually make this work. It was more of a proof of concept than an actual functioning model. But yes, absolutely. <laughs> I was That's the problem. Say oh. oh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> That's the problem. Everyone, once you've spent like five minutes away from him, you're like, oh, yeah, I want to talk to that guy again. How quickly they forget and... The just had to had to have a permanent reminder of why that's a bad idea. I was going to say it seemed like an intentional design flaw on the part of Ospin and now I'm like, "Oh, why this this one is it because like Ospin's decisions, you know, where there there's a reason behind them, but I'm like, that's flawed and there are so many ways that could backfire on you 
having met Ambrosius, I'm like, no, okay. If if that was the reason why we implemented the system this way, I understand now. Mark, what did you think of, of uh, this character introduction? So I'll be I'll be completely honest. I think that Valentine Stokes did an amazing job giving us this character, but I seeing Ambrosius come out of the the staff. I was hoping beyond hoping that Ify Wadaway's voice was going to come out of that thick ass man because <laughs> like it I uh, like that that now is is like look I'm I'm really happy but that's going to be in my head forever and now I want an iffy random iffy lines to be in like popped over ambrosius footage of just him being thirsty and talking about glizzies and stuff like man that thick men sell merch like that was something that was established in dead little roosters but ultimately this this i agree with everything that everybody was saying but if we're talking about first impressions i was really really hoping that if his voice was going to come out of him i mean you have tiktok and if you don't have tiktok you have a video editing program you can do this be the change you want to see in the world mark i don't have tiktok i'm i'm not a zoomer <laughs> you have video editing software be the change you want to see in the world mark but that would mean katie that means i would have to illegally steal the video off of the website i'm not gonna do that <laughs> okay i might do that this like i i really hope that like anybody from the company that li- like i'm not like i'm no i'm not gonna do that but i, I, I probably will do that just you know but i'm not gonna do it no Cool, 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 cool. Now that we've established that, um, he, he, you go ahead. I was going to say, do we have to put a legal disclaimer where we have to say any talk of piracy is all parody, parody, parody? It's yeah, only it's a joke. Piracy it's a joke. If, it's only piracy if you intend to redistribute it. This is going to be fair use parody. <laughs> no, this is just for me. <laughs> I ain't releasing this. If I'm doing this, nobody else is seeing it. This is just for me. Muck actually already has like 20 versions. <laughs> okay. Yep. I was going to make genie of the lamp jokes over here because that's kind of what I was reminded of. And also I'm kind of laughing at the fact that the God of light doesn't believe in clothing because we've definitely had two extremely naked blue people clad in nothing but gold chains being our spirits and i'm just like how did they even get around this aside from ken dolling it how did they do this so yeah ambrosius is one of those people where he's a lot of fun to watch him interact with someone else but god help you if you have to deal with him directly and the gods won't help you because they're shitty gods and they left already i do want to say that because these are our two God of Light relics, I really, really want the characters or the spirits or whatever they're calling them in the God of uh, God of Destruction, God yeah. of Darkness, that guy. <laughs> I want the spirits in those relics to be red, so we can have red versus blue, because I have no shame. 
see in my head if that were the case. Uh, red versus blue is obvious is the obvious reference, but in my head it would be like uh, Return of Jafar. Like we've got uh, the 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 genie, you know, the blue genie, and then uh, Jafar when he's in his genie form is is a red genie for some reason. Uh, <laughs> so that's where my mind goes. Um, that being said, uh, Ambrosius absolutely gave off genie from Aladdin vibes, um, which at at any moment, I was expecting him to burst into song and start singing Never Had a Friend Like Me, uh, which I I would not have hated. I would have been 100% on board with that. Um, but we actually do have a question from our Discord. Friend of the show, Cam Griffin, had a question that he he wanted us to, to discuss, given uh, the, the nature of Ambrosia's ability. Uh, because when it comes to... We, we had a similar discussion when we were introduced to Jin. But uh, so Cam Griffin wants to know, knowing the limitations of the staff of creation instructions blueprints knowledge of components etc what would slash could you have ambrosius make let's go ahead and start with mark i hadn't had any thoughts about this until just now like i saw the question and was like okay i should think about this didn't too busy thinking about him but um (laughs) in terms of in terms of answering the question i would have him make the most indulgent food in ever because if the second you make something else the first thing disappears that's literally empty calories because like it could be like stuff that depending on what sort of a society you in you're in one society may consider ethical one because i'm not talking about cannibalism like if any any sort of any sort of like culinary curiosity of like ooh, that's too expensive or oh they don't have that type of meat readily available in the united states but they have it blah 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 like you know i would i would go on just like a culinary tour of i would even like look on dude Food Instagram would be such a good resource because you would be like, it's this from this place and it looks like that. Make that. Okay, zap. And there you go. And and that, of course, that goes straight to food. But I think that would have the least amount of implications tied to it. And the fact that you can eat, make the next thing, and you'll still have the like taste profile in your mouth but you won't you know you won't be full but you'll at least have it'll be like any sort of a tasting menu all of the food is too small for you to get any sort of full but you get to enjoy the variety of tastes that are put in front of you i think he'd hate you (laughs) probably and that's fine with if if i can if i can make an all-powerful being like that wince i think i've won (laughs) especially looking at his body compared to mine is that your goal in life, Mark? Make all powerful beings wince? <laughs> to make buff people wince? Yes. Oh, well, it's okay. I didn't realize there was a Venn diagram overlap. <laughs> I was just saying the part. <laughs> Stacy, how about you? What would you wish for? You know, I had this thought when they were, when I was originally watching the episode and they were explaining the rules. In the moment that I realized that I would never be confident enough in my plans and blueprints and knowledge and I would be second guessing myself for years until he was so bored with me that nothing would ever get done (laughs) because that is a lot of pressure that 
I am not well equipped to deal with. So I honestly don't even know what I would have. There would be nothing that I would like be able to to put together well enough. I'm so hung up on like the the first steps of the project. <laughs> so I'm sorry for the very non-answer, but man, it's a lot. No, I mean, he he says it like you have to you have to be careful about what you wish for because the first thing he says uh, upon meeting these kids is like, hey, uh, just so you know, I'm going to give you exactly what you ask for and I don't want to hear any complaining when it's not the thing you want. Uh, Katie, how about you? What do you think? You know that he loves it when people complain. <laughs> you know that he's that flavor of jackass because <laughs> disappointingly well-prepared kids. Like, you know that he just likes being that guy and he's super mad that they did not fall for it. Um, also, given the impermanent nature of his constructs, uh, nothing. <laughs> nope. If I'm going to put that much effort into it, I want to be able to keep it. Um, well, for me, uh, I for a moment, I thought I could use this question as, um, as to tie it into actually the, the one of the questions that we had last week in terms of like so we had somebody ask what weapons would we want if we if we lived in Remnant? And I thought to myself, oh, man, what I wouldn't give to have that hoverboard from volume three. <laughs> um, and then when we got this question, I was like, oh, I could wish for that hoverboard. Um, well, no, I couldn't because I, I would have to obtain those schematics. Um, if I could get a hold of those schematics, I would absolutely get that hoverboard. Are they in the art book? Because, I mean, that's half the battle. I would have to double check. Groovy Although, Artbook, now available at all popular bookstores. <laughs> it's there on my shelf. I, I should double check to see uh, if it's there. Go get it. I'll hold the fort. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, because I have a, a different solution. And that's that's the other thing. Uh, assuming we, I ha like Ambrosius was here for me to ask, that would also assume that I existed in the world of Remnant where these specs would exist somewhere. <laughs> so that's possible. Um, but if he, if he, for whatever reason, just existed in our world and therefore any cool Ruby stuff would be unavailable to me because those specs don't actually exist in this world. Um, I think Mark, I would go along the lines of what you would wish for only instead of really decadent stuff, I would ask for the most boring um, pedestrian meals and like, Hey, could you make me a bologna sandwich? And I, I want this stuff in it. And Bogus is like, I'll give you anything you desire. And you're like, can I get a McPick too? <laughs> well, here's the thing. He would hate it. And his hatred would bring me so much joy. <laughs> so we've got, this podcast is split down the middle. And on one side, we have two people going, 
what is the actual point of this if there's a very good chance of fucking it up or if it's not going to stick around better to just not do the be careful what you wish for thing and we've got two people going what if i piss off a creation of the <laughs> gods with food hey i love this in, divide <laughs> in friend like me there is a a whole section where he talks about being a waiter that's all i'm saying we, i mean we talked about this a couple episodes ago I've read The Monkey's Paw. I don't I don't need that. I don't need that in my life. I don't need uh here's the ability to to grant wishes, but you're gonna regret it. <laughs> I don't need that in my life, just generally speaking. So yeah, I would probably go with run-of-the-mill, very boring requests for him. Uh, unless I get really ambitious before the next episode comes out. <laughs> um but yeah, that that's our thoughts. I I like I love all those answers. So thank you so much, Cam, for that question. That was delightful. Um, but what that's that's not what our characters want to wish for. What they want to wish for is a way to save Penny, and they go about it in a very clever and specific way. Uh, they want her basically. They want Ambrosius to take all of the robot parts. Uh, like to recreate all the robot parts taking the virus with it and leaving what remains of penny behind and this is a very specific way to to get rid of the virus problem because he can't actually destroy anything that is against his nature um and that's against the rules uh and so what we ultimately end up with is the robot version of penny that still has the virus inside of it um that is getting ready to self-terminate and Penny, the real girl. And, and this is what we're talking about when we're saying that this episode had a lot in it. Like there's, you know, in addition to taking out Ironwood, we also get Penny, the real girl and a bunch of other stuff in this episode. And, and so, yeah, this is, I mean, we've been saying Penny is a real girl for a long time, and now we get the payoff for that. Obviously, she's been a real girl from the start, but now she's a human girl. Uh, and that's like that like with no extra robot parts. And it it's so incredible getting to see this like getting to see the story, like the Pinocchio storyline fulfilled. What did we think upon getting to see Human Penny? Uh, what, if I may? What did we think of this? Oh, go for it. Go for it. With the help of Ambrosius, the teen has been unturboed. <laughs> Wait. Mark. Mark. And I would like to humbly thank our mod, Cam Griffin, for tweeting for for dming me that over discord and being and he was like hey i don't know what you have for the turbo teen joke this week but how's this and i went you gave it to me just now that was it <laughs> i can't do better than that i knew it was cam <laughs> when you said someone in our discord had given it and i asked who and you wouldn't tell me i knew it yeah you also said it's cam <laughs> then <laughs> <laughs> yes i know this is me saying i called it i see you cam <laughs> I can't get too mad at Cam. I think he's also the one that made me the no it is not turbo teen meme. So uh still have that saved on my phone. So Mark, what did you think of Human Penny? I'm they just need to give her shoes. They're going to a desert. Like holy cow. 
Um, one of the things that we talked about in the discord was, are they going to give her Heelys or Crocs? And I don't, I personally, I don't necessarily know which one they will go with, but I'm pretty sure if I were, if, if I were, if I were in the director's chair, I'd give her Heelys. (laughs) Uh, I want her to have those little light up shoes. (laughs) Oh, yes. Excuse you, Mark. Jelly sandals. The Crocs for 90s girls. <laughs> that's a good choice. That's, that's fair. Yeah. Stacy, what did what did you think of this development? Uh, first off, Team Heelys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> however, uh, well, I think Penny should have all of the warm, wonderful hugs that she possibly can before she has to deal with the trauma of watching her robotic self die horribly on the ground <laughs> yeah but she's getting those new heelys though so i mean <laughs> right, small, that really small price to pay really does make everything better you're right yeah. the power of heelys mm-hmm. no what, I, am, what am i worried about i need to know who storyboarded that particular bit it of robotic penny doing a, just basically a zombie fall apart on the ground there with the twitching and the reaching and the it was incredible I want to know what horror movies they watched, and I want to know if they're in therapy. <laughs> Therapy's good, folks. Therapy's good. We love them. I'm a little worried. That scene was amazing. I I absolutely adored this one. I'm all about the nightmare fuel. Like, I really am. <laughs> so I really loved getting to see that moment. Um, but even more so, like... um it's i feel like this was really good payoff uh we we've known for a long time that you know penny is pinocchio we've known that since season one and um we know how that particular story ends and so um you know getting getting to see penny become the winter maiden was absolutely incredible and knowing at the beginning of this volume just based on the the intro like it didn't take long for us to to put piece together that uh, uh, Watts was going to try to take control of Penny in some way, shape, or form. And so having that plot line in this volume uh, and we get getting the payoff of her becoming fully human, I think was just oh so satisfying. And also now her her getting to experience um, elements of humanity that she didn't get to experience before like the warm feeling that comes with hugs um which is absolutely delightful and i i look forward to seeing what other sort of really wholesome adorable hijinks uh these kids get into um i think that's going to be a lot of fun but oh yeah I'm also going to go with Team Heelys. I like as much as I would love the light up shoes. I hope she gets some sweet skates. Here's hoping. Um, and to answer Jelly your question, Sandals, Katie, though. yeah, I believe it was Rachel Doda oh. who who boarded that scene. An entire queen. We stand and are terrified. The storyboard, like the whole storyboard department, and not just because we've had one of them on the show, but the the whole, like anybody who does storyboard, that is a, a the unsung heroes of animation and the entire department is just magic. Oh, they have been knocking it out of the park this volume, not just this volume, but 
I think these later episodes, there have been some spectacular shots. The the explosion comes to mind, the choreograph for some of the fighting, but this scene in particular, just damn, I feel like once per episode, I'm sitting here going, who storyboarded that? That was amazing. So y'all, really well done. Holy cow. Absolutely incredible. Um. So yeah, we, Penny's a real girl now, yay! And um, so we 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 trade off who has possession of the staff, and Weiss takes it, and we summon Ambrosius again, and <laughs> he is immediately disappointed because he's like, "Oh wait, no, it's these kids who know how to game the system. <laughs> this isn't going to be fun for me." Um, and so part two of their plan is getting him to create an evacuation system, a way where they can create a doorway to vacuo via a particular central location um, where everybody from Atlas and, uh, and Mantle, both locations, can get to. So essentially what he created, like given with special thanks to Whitley for, for the, the schematics that he's able to provide, uh, what ends up happening is they create uh, doorways from all over Mantle and Atlas, leading to a central location, which is basically like the vault. It's a it's a space that exists outside of time and space for Remnant, or in a place where time and space for Remnant isn't necessarily relevant. I don't know, fourth, fifth dimension stuff, maybe? I don't know. But basically, a location like the vault, and from there, everybody can head on over to Vacuo. And uh <laughs> and it's it's spectacular and it it appears as we see these doorways open up, it appears to work. Um and it's excellent. Although we do get uh shoot, I jumped ahead, <laughs> but we'll we'll get to that. So we have this uh doorway system and it seems to be working. Uh and it's it's really cool. And so what we have here is an evacuation method from Atlas to Vacuo. And I don't know if any of you guys have read uh, any of the su other supplementary material, but there are some implications about sending a group this large to Vacuo. Because Vacuo, historically speaking, doesn't have the best relationship with a lot of the other kingdoms. So, my question to everybody, how do we think this evacuation strategy is going to play out? Let's go ahead and start with Katie. Get off my lawn! <laughs> I honestly don't know. Um, yeah, I honestly don't know. <laughs> we definitely weren't able to get the instructions for the evacuation out, but I think we have enough gutsy or desperate people in each location that they would be willing to at least give it a try. So I think that this will probably go relatively well. And I really do think with the sort of Damocles hanging over everyone in Mantle and people in Atlas having evacuated to the subway systems, they're going to take any port in a storm. I don't think anyone's going to worry too much of it. Like, well, we can either stay here where there are grim and things might fall on us, or we can go through the weird-ass magical door and take our chances. I think a lot of people are going to take their chances. Stacy, what do you think? 
I think that, yeah, I think most people are going to go for it. And uh, yes, there may be Grimm in Atlas, but there are hostile people and Grimm and very scary animals in Vacuo, depending on where they come through a portal. So it could be a very fun time for all. <laughs> and by fun, I don't mean that at all. <laughs> I, mean, I do... I do wonder where in Vacuo they instructed him to to have the exit. <laughs> yeah, it's like right. You just gonna open out into the middle of the desert and look. That that could be worse than <gasps> all bad. <laughs> I would imagine that it's probably near or at the academy. Likely, that that makes the most sense plausibly, and I think we won't uh, have a bunch of you know civilians and Atlesians thrown into grim combat immediately after stepping through the magic portals everyone's in winter codes and they just yeet them straight into the desert in the middle of the day better than the you other might. way around <laughs> <laughs> True. mark how about you what do you think well i think wasn't part of the part of the speech you need to tell me exactly where they're going so i think wherever blake would have deemed like oh this is good like i'm sure they came to it in a in a group decision but the school sounds like the best sort of uh the best sort of plan i did uh, i forgot to mention the amazing moment with penny of uh with the hugs of her turn and death glare and her like oh my look like right before running and hugging yang which was just awesome like anime like that is like second place of most anime moment under winter's uh, sweet James kill from earlier in the episode. But I, I don't, I don't think that this is going to go great. I think we're, I think all of the innocents are going to get through. I think there's going to be a really rad fight with terrible implications that is going to happen. Uh, like so, shortly after, or like in our finale episode, the 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 whole episode's just going to be rad fight of good versus evil and terrible terrible things may or may not happen. <laughs> I yeah I I feel like for the most part things like most people are going to get out and get to vacuo okay um, but uh, there's there's going to be some bumps along the way and uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, the the only real issue i i see you know apart from you know his his very cryptic do not fall warning that he gives to everybody um my my main concern is getting all of these refugees to vacuo um and what happens after that when everybody gets there you know assuming that whatever bumps along the way don't disrupt the majority of people who are on their way my big question in terms of how all that's going to shake out is, uh, again, if you've read the the other books, you know that Vacuo has some issues with people from other kingdoms. I'm not going to give away any spoilers for, um, for those books um, because I want you to go and read them and I, I don't want to give anything away. But... I do think that there is going to be some tension with the vast number of refugees that are now appearing in Vacuo. I think if it had just been like a handful of students, they would have been like, oh, okay, yeah, we got we got some of those from Beacon already. Like, it's, it's no big deal. But having 
all of Atlas and all of Mantle all of a sudden showing up at a kingdom that uh, did not take kindly to Atlas and the other kingdoms ex- like um, exploiting them for their resources and then never bothering to make amends. I, I think that might cause a problem uh, rather than it just being like a handful of students. I, I think I think that might cause some tension. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how all that shakes out. And actually, one more uh, thing I wanted to mention in their planning for this system of multiple doorways, multiple ramps, multiple everything, they didn't put handrails or guardrails <laughs> or something to keep people from like, because someone like they're all <laughs> all signs of luck point to somebody tripping on the proverbial banana peel and falling down. How could they That's... not put handrails? And those walkways are so narrow. They are like one person wide narrow. I would be terrified. This is where Jean's line, like kid crossing the street skills are going to come through. (laughs) (laughs) It all comes full circle. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, this is where Ambrosius comes in and goes, you didn't specify handrails, bye. (laughs) (laughs) And then we have to have uh, one of the other girls take hold of the staff and go, hey, we want you to create handrails for this system that you just created. And then the system disappears and it's just handrails. (laughs) But there are handrails. Oh, but they get to do sweet grinds, though. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. Uh (laughs) Follow me. Yeah, set me free. Um, actually, on that note of there not being any handrails and his, like I said, very cryptic warning of do not fall, we actually have another question from Cam Griffin. Uh, the obvious setup seems to be that a character or characters will fall inside the space between worlds. Who do you think will be falling and what will the results be? So uh, let's go ahead and start with Stacy. Who do you think is falling and what's going to happen to them? You know, I think originally going into this, I thought there would be a larger group falling. But thinking about it more and and after rewatches, I almost feel like we're going to have some hugely isolating event for one of our characters. And I feel like the obvious choice is Ruby. But I'm thinking about how falling into the space between the worlds and what kind of journey that prompts and what kind of warning we have about what could happen there. I want to see Cinder fall. Mark. (laughs) (laughs) Not intentional. (laughs) Really? Really? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Those are the ones. Those are the ones that take real skill. <laughs> well, I was thinking of it from like a maiden's perspective. So, what, Penny and Cinder. Oh, and they just—it's fu- like the Balrog fight. They just fall all the way down to the end, of the ends of the earth, and... and we get this sweet Gandalf the White moment where Penny comes riding in on a horse and just like <laughs> look to the north, like, oh, dude, I'm so in. Now there it is. See. Uh, well, if I mean, you think about it, go ahead. No, carry on, carry on. 
Multiple times this volume, Ozpin has brought up the girl who fell through the world as a fable that is in Remnant that we have not seen and that's not in the fairy tale book. And the idea behind that fable is a, a girl who did not learn from her problems found a magical land and in failing to learn from her problems only brought her problems with her and spread them. So we have a whole lot of people with a whole lot of problems, but Cinder's is a lot of cool motive still murder, and she definitely got that talking to from Watts about your pain is not enough, you can't just be this, you have to be this. So then we have that. We have her potentially repeating her Maiden Bowl 2019 mistakes in Maiden Bowl 2021, taking on more than she can chew, and falling, because she did this with Raven, remember? <laughs> Raven punted her off a ledge, but it wasn't in an alternate dimension. And maybe we wind up with Cinder not being here for a season or two as she falls through the world and has a lot of time to herself to think. I think that's entirely plausible. Mark, what do you think? I think because of... You mentioned the specificity of do not fall, but the specificity, and I wrote it down, of the line explanation for the for bending space and time to account for the much greater traffic on one side and a single point of exit on the other. I feel like that has a couple of... Oh, I, I had a, a coming to Jesus moment in the Discord. Join the Discord, if I haven't made that entirely clear, of what if we get a time skip? But now Whoa. with this discussion that we're having, what if we get a uh, <laughs> a back end time skip of Yo. of somebody? Everybody goes through. Ah, sucks that Cinder fell or, or whomever. But Cinder shows is already in vacuo, and she she is ten years older and ten years stronger of or or however long. And she is now so much more of a threat, or so we may think. And maybe she had a life-changing thing of, we, we're back in Once Upon a Time because they did a Wonderland season. Anyway, but um, that nobody watched. But <laughs> the, the idea of the thing that I have in my head is, like, like y'all said, Ruby, what if Team Ruby goes down is like, well, everything will be all right. They come through the other side and the world is so much worse off than it was when they left it. And now they're still the same age, but the world has gotten to a much worse state or like I've a lot of ideas. Like I, th I think, and the only reason why I don't want to say this is because I think we should all be along for the ride is what if it's Nora? Oh. Nora talked about going off and finding herself and, and finding out who she is. And in so many words, she said, I think we have to do that apart, which could be a terrible, terrible hint that Nora is the one who falls and we won't see her for a while. But when she comes back, she'll be a, com she'll, she'll be the person that she wants to be. And ultimately that's what I want for any character but I would hope that we would be able to see that eventually, if that would be the case. This is all working on the idea that 
the character in question is coming back. If they're not, I would like to propose Watts. He's been he's been dangled <laughs> off of two ledges already. Rule of threes. Let him go this time. You, this man empty. Yeet. <laughs> you you actually beat me to it, Katie. <laughs> I was going to propose Watson to be like, well, to piggyback off of a question from last week. I think I stole it from you. So credit where credit is due. I'm sorry I stole Megan's thing. Look what I took credit for finding. You mental plagiarist. Again, (laughs) again with the mental plagiarism. Um, But yeah, no, uh, I honestly, I think, I think if we're being, if we're, if we're looking at this as a non-lethal scenario, I think Nora, Cinder, and all of Team Ruby, I think those are all really good guesses. Um, If we're looking at this as a lethal scenario, I think Cinder and Watts are most likely. Hmm. Although Neo is still around, I don't know. I, 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 at this point, it could be anybody. But if I were to bet money on this, it would probably be Cinder or all of Team Ruby. Um, and I'd flip a coin (laughs) to determine which one I place my bets on. Um, I feel most strongly about Cinder, but the opening is pretty clear with its falling imagery. So with, for the for the entire team, but that's yeah. If I had to put money on it, it would probably be Cinder. But uh, literally anything could happen. Uh, yeah, this is this is gonna be this is gonna be interesting going into the next week. I think the word you're looking for is painful, <laughs> unless it's Arthur. Yes. Six of one, half a dozen of the other. (laughs) Another thing I'd like to bring up about the doors is I think we've left Maria and Pietro behind. I don't think they have a door where they are, especially since the blueprints were based on the the city above and the city below. And they're way out in God knows where on the crashed Amity Arena. I, I think we've lost them. I'd find it very hard to believe that with Penny in the room when they were making that plan, that that wasn't considered. Like I imagine part of the part of the team that has now cleared out the, um, the droids and the, the, the drones and the, what have you probably want like some or a group or whatever are going to take a ship and go or, or whatever. I, there is more than likely a plan in place to, uh, account for that loose end and in tying up that loose end there's going to be some sort of a confrontation with presumably watts yeah that's i think that's fair um especially because we we did have a moment earlier in the episode um while while phase two is commencing where jean and Emerald and Nora and Ren and Oscar tried to get the message out to everybody to let them know what was happening. Uh, he only got through the first part of the message, which is Atlas is falling before that message was abruptly cut off. And we don't know if that was a, a failing of the communication system, given that, you know, lots of things are are going awry at the moment and that Atlas is in the process of falling and everything like that, or if that broadcast was deliberately interrupted by something. If I were to venture a guess, 
I would assume it was deliberately interrupted by Watts, but ultimately we don't know. Um, my question is, is how big of a problem is this going to be? Because he, even though the doors have opened up and people can put two and two together, he wasn't able to relay specific information to everybody outside of Atlas is falling. Uh, that anxiety spike could be enough to make Grimm a problem. So is is that going to be an issue or was this just sort of a speed bump along the way? Do we think this is going to have greater implications? Uh, Katie, let's start with you. You know, I don't know. I'm not sure. I was focusing a lot more on the, yeah, I bet Watts cut communication, that jerk. If we do wind up with Grimm showing up because of the anxiety spike, it is only going to serve to drive people into the doors as a matter of escape. Whether or not the Grimm follow them, whether or not the Grimm are able to follow them, is a whole other can of worms. Stacy, how about you? Really makes you wish they had handrails. <laughs> I mean, either way, you have you have the brave who will step through the door and go, well, this is better than staying here right off the bat. And then the ones that linger and are afraid and potentially attract Grimm. And between, you know, either the city falling or a city falling on you, you're eventually going to go through the door. Uh, Grimm in tow or not. But it doesn't help with the calm and orderly need to walk those pathways. So I have fears for people. <laughs> Mark, what do you think? I'm echoing all of that. Like, I would like to hope that maybe the Huntresses will see what's going on. I know there are a lot of doors, but at least split up. And with the amount of people that there are, if everybody split up, took a door and said, we're going to vacuum or whatever, like there would be a fair amount of additional help for people to understand what was going on. But other than that, I think there will be some, I don't think they're going to manufacture a, um, like an altercation just for the sake of doing it. That's why I think Watts probably knows where Pietro is and is probably going to, I don't know, trick, whatever. Something's going to happen. There's going to be some sort of an altercation. But I think it's going to behoove everybody just to be like, okay, well, if they stay, they're going to die. So let's just, let's just get out of here. And But I, I think there may be some, but I don't, I, I don't know. I, I think it's just going to be more, let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. I think that's fair too. Uh, we we know trouble is a brewing anyway, uh, and we know probably who's gonna cause it. So, uh, yeah, ultimately the 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 minor details don't matter as much because we know what's coming. Um, and on that note, I think that just about covers it for this episode. Uh, do we have any final thoughts before we wrap up here for the evening? Let's start with Mark. I really hope that the trail of nice things is isn't like at its zenith i hope that the amount of good things that have happened can stay good for a while before the bad things like really hit hard because uh 
man, the characters deserve just something, <laughs> something nice. Like a nap? <laughs> At the very least. They need, they need a long rest, that's for sure. Well, if all else fails before the evacuation happens, one, we've got Cinder to deal with at some point. She got the nice, creepy end of episode reveal. And Actually, we do need to go back and get Ironwood and Jacques. <laughs> I can't imagine that doors wouldn't be like right outside of the cells or something, but you actually did. I, I, I had a very bad prediction of what's going to happen. So it is made very clear to us, the audience, the exact idiosyncrasies of what Ambrosius requires in order to do something accurately. Cinder oh doesn't God. have that information. So oh, Jesus, I have a feeling that <laughs> a lot of everybody's going to make it through. Cinder is somehow going to get the staff and say like, I want absolute power or something stupid. And <laughs> because she is that. And as a result, Ambrosius is going to do it and she's going to fall and the construct is going to start to disapparate. Because as we saw with Robot Penny, it wasn't instant, but with the size and scope of the doors, there's going to be a uh, a crumbling temple sort of thing and somebody's going to lose their hat just before the last stone falls. Something like if something like that doesn't happen, I will be very surprised. Hmm. Shit! <laughs> oh damn, Mark! <laughs> I love it. Oh man, that's oh I love that. Uh, Stacy, how about you? Final thoughts on this Whoa. episode, or any lingering predictions for next week? Man, I was I was more imagining a battle down there, you know, on the pathways that involved Cinder, but that is a whole other level. Uh, it, it makes me kind of rethink how much Cinder knows about their plan. We kind of know that Watts was able to listen into snippets of what they were saying. So whether or not she knows anything about what they were up to, um, and also whether or not she knows that Emerald is involved, uh, not only if she was able to listen in, but also Emerald spoke on the recording before Jean did. I don't know if she was paying close enough attention to listen, but that could be an open, she could see that as an opening to force an issue. Uh, but, oh my gosh, Mark. <laughs> That's like a whole other level of intense. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Eddie has trained me well. Man. That's beautiful. No, no, it's great. This Perfect. And I would not be surprised if that's what happens. Now, this episode was extremely well put together, a lot of fun to watch, very fluid, very good. And good Lord, I would say one fear going into this, but I think we're up to like 16 at this point. At least. Lots of fear. Too many good things happened in this episode, and we still have two episodes left in this season. Shh. Ah. We know it's bad. Ah. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, whenever a certain number of things go right, uh, for everybody, we know that there has to be, uh, a left turn into Bummersville. Uh, so like, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I'm sure it, it's not going to take too much longer, um, for the other shoe to drop, but, uh, just kind of touching on what Mark said, um, if, if that prediction is true, 
I think that's either going to be the final nail in the coffin for Cinder, and that will be her end, or it'll be the final nail in the coffin for her arrogance. Um, because no, she it'll was... it'll be the final uh, for her human form before the grim form takes over. Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> what exactly are you drinking tonight, Mark? Because I either need some or I need to ban it. <laughs> it's not my fault that there are two drinking holidays back to back. One being Stone Cold Steve Austin Day, 316, and St. Patrick's Day. So that's not my fault. That's the world. <laughs> I'm sorry. Stone Cold Steve Austin Day? Yeah, because Austin 316 says, I just whooped your ass. So March 16th, 316. I'll take it. Yeah. Enjoy Stevie Weiser. <laughs> oh, that's... And the rest of the day to yourself. <laughs> that's beautiful. Uh, but yeah, uh, all in all, uh, regardless of what happens next, this was a fantastic episode. We got introduced to some great characters. We got to see other characters taken down a peg or two. Um, we got to see uh, some ongoing character arcs uh, get some really, really satisfying payoff. Um, so excellent job, Kruby, all around. I can't wait for the next one. And I can't believe there are two episodes left in the volume. It's going to be crazy. So on that note, thank you all so, so much for listening. Mark, where can people go if they want to find you? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch at Mark B. Donica. And if you are a One Piece fan, I am a part of a one i need to do my best to not say anything about it because we're doing like a rollout um i am a part of a new one piece podcast with storyboard artists al mcclelland and molly flood as well as ruby voice actress kaden jensen uh we're we just started talking about one piece kaden just started watching it and it creates this weird tension of she's still like 700 episodes behind and so when she's like yeah i think this is gonna happen and the rest of us are like uh-huh 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 and like sweating <laughs> profusely it's remarkable um but if you want to follow that show right now it is living at p and triple d on twitter uh, which is where Molly and I had our Kingdom Hearts podcast, which you can go and listen to our pure disdain of what was Kingdom Hearts 3. But yes, follow me everywhere over there and uh, keep an ear out for those new projects. Stacy, where can people go? I'm Stacy Shuttleworth. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Stacy Shuttles. I've been kind of quiet lately as I've amassed a truly astounding amount of uh, beating supplies for an upcoming Hades series that I'm going to be working through. So uh, I have so many things to make things with, and I will be chronicling that coming up very shortly. I'm waiting for a few last pieces to arrive. So if you want to see uh, me work through beating techniques and make some fun sparkly things... That's where all that's going to live. Megan can vouch for the fact that I did a little dance while you were talking about this. So <laughs> I want to see it and also possibly wear it. Absolutely. I'm holding you to that. I'm Katie. You can follow me all over the social medias as well as on YouTube and Twitch at Kiaxet. That is K-I-A-X-E-T. If you like reaction videos to Ruby, to other Rooster Teeth stuff, to various and sundry things, they live on that YouTube channel. And I am also on a podcast called On The Point. It is an Overwatch and Overwatch League podcast. We are taking a break right now because the offseason is a thing, but we are coming back when Overwatch League comes back in April and we have so much stuff to talk about this offseason was bug nuts 
And I'm Megan Salinas. You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I have a YouTube channel called Silver Screams where Katie and I talk about horror things. And I uh, also have a Lost retrospective podcast where my co-host Will Link loves Lost and I don't. And we talk about it. Be sure to follow. Oh, go that ahead. podcast is called No Love Lost. <laughs> I could have sworn I mentioned that, but nope. <laughs> I forgot to introduce myself at the top of the show. So, <laughs> so I'm not going to argue with you. Um, be sure to follow the whole team at the Rooster Team. Um, <laughs> join our Discord link in the description below. Uh, buy our stuff on Tee Public. Buy T-shirts of the silly things that we say, uh, and. Uh, support our sponsor Fred he does great work and finally we have one last message as always we end with the important things wear a mask anytime you go outside doesn't matter if you're getting the mail walking your dog or going to get vaccinated which you should also do if you're able always always wear a mask when you go outside it it protects you a little bit and protects other people a lot it is an act of basic human compassion and that's kind of the point Support your essential workers. Be kind to your essential workers. They do not get the option to stay at home. And people have been really stressed recently. So, you know, be kind. Make their day a little easier just by being nice and being chill. This also goes for your postal workers because the post office is still suffering from shenanigans. So support the post office. Be patient. Be kind. Just be cool to people. Uh, Black Lives Matter. Black LGBTQIA lives matter. Black trans lives matter. Black lives matter. That has not changed. That will not change. Black lives matter. I know we're in the middle of March, but thank you for voting. Still super good. Make sure you get involved in your local elections. Make sure you vote in every election that you are able, that you are eligible to vote in. Even if it's for something that you don't think applies to you, like the school board, for example. What The changes you make at the local level trickle up, and the people who get experience in politics at the local level are then able to go out for state, federal, etc. So, get involved in your local elections, contact your Congress people. they work for you, they represent you. If you like what they're doing, let them know, be polite, be specific. If you don't like what they're doing, let them know, be polite, be specific as what you want them to do. If you're not a phone person, email and fax, if you still have access to one of those, and texts, all of those are valid ways to do it. But contact your Congress people because they represent your interests, so make sure they know what those interests are. Wear a mask, get vaccinated, take care of each other, because that is the only way we're going to get through this is if we take care of each other. And remember that we love you. Thank you all so, so much for listening. This has been Ruby Redux, and now it's time to say goodbye.